0: Okay, that's this genius. One
1: has a little star.
0: Go to audible.com/replay. That's audible.com/replay and get started today. So, uh, I want to bring in without further ado, Sergey Brin, co-founder of Google.
2: There
1: you go. Hey.
0: So, right there. Oh, I'm so glad you didn't wear your toe shoes.
1: Thank God. Uh, but you know I can take these off pretty easily and then you'll see my post.
0: Okay, I thought so.
1: All right, I'll, I'll I knew cover we were going to do it
2: So you were last at one of our conferences, I think over a decade ago. I think it was uh-huh. the first D or maybe the second. And uh, you know, it was all about search at that point. Uh, I can remember us having a discussion about uh, advertising. And uh, why would someone click on a non-organic search result? And I think I'm pretty sure I remember you talking about how you had bought a uh, a green laser pointer or something, and how useful that was to you. Um, how how well I mean, but it, you were trying to give an example of you know the benefits of this. So. Um, How is Google a different company from the company that it was at that point?
1: Uh, First of all, the green laser pointer has proven very useful. (laughs) Um, uh, But my vision is still intact. uh, I remember it was uh, was one of the really high power ones. You can't really get in the US properly. But um, yeah, I followed an ad. I think it was like 50 milliwatt or something. uh, And it was one of our advertisers. Uh, how has Google changed? Uh, I think you know, clearly it's a much larger company. Uh, there's a lot more to deal with. Um, you know, In many ways, it's maybe less fun. Uh, but I think the roots in what we do are similar. We, With Search, we took a university research project and uh, you know, made it sustainable. And, and we've been very lucky for it to be successful in providing Search to the world on the web. And uh, I think many of the other things that we do, and and especially the things that I focus on Google X, are also about taking research and bringing it to life into things that we hope will transform the world.
0: So, getting on this, you're a larger company. Let me start with that sentence, because you are a larger company.
1: It's very upsetting. I'm not sure I can accept this right now. Okay, um, all right.
0: when you talk about larger, people think about the power of Google now, much more so than they used to. Um, they're scared of it. They've got worries in Europe. There's all kinds of things going on. How do you perceive the company? How internally do you all look at it when people look at you in a much different light as a much more aggressive company, a company that has so much information about them, a company that has no governance in the way, given all the, the, um, the, the data you have collected about people. How do you look at it from the inside looking out as what you consider the company?
1: Um. Look, I, I'm sure the internal view is, uh, you know, very different than the external view. You know, it's kind of uh, David versus Goliath, only the external view Googles the Goliath and the internal view are David. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think the truth is in between. I think that, uh, you know, there are many services we provide to many people, and I think we have a lot of responsibility to do a good job of that uh, and to be a responsible world citizen uh, i think uh, I think at the same time there are a lot of issues in the world on the internet uh, you know the kind of thing that Gwyneth Paltrow talked about just a second ago and uh, and and I think in many cases people associate all of those things with Google uh, and you know sometimes it's just uh, outside of our domain or perhaps it's something that's not that's a social phenomenon worldwide and not necessarily Google specific.
2: Um, You've been, you were, you personally were very uh, uh, tough on uh, sort of the whole question of doing business in China under the conditions that the Chinese government had set up and I I think you got a lot of of, uh, uh, praise for that. Uh, But we uh, obviously all know now that our government, saying it's the equivalent thing, but our government also does some, uh, some things that in the gathering of information that are troublesome to a lot of people, worrisome. Um, how do you propose to handle that? I mean you can't, you, I guess you could, but you, you, with China you just exited, you just didn't participate. That's probably not an option here I would assume, so what do you do?
1: Um. No, it's a great question. Uh, You know, in China, we exited in the sense we reorganized the way the business works there and we are to not be subject to their censorship laws internally. And uh, we do still serve search uh, to China. Uh, We have uh, always. Um, But anyway, that's its own nuanced view. The, uh, The Snowden revelations were a huge disappointment. To certainly to me and to obviously to the world as a whole. I think I think from my perspective, if you go back to the Cold War when presumably the NSA was spying on a small number, relatively small number of people, you know, Soviet, whatever, generals and uh, various you know, Communist Party officials and so forth. And as consequence, in theory, was protecting us from total nuclear annihilation. I think that you know that's one kind of balance. Uh, I think in recent uh, dec- in the recent decade or two, if you look at counterterrorism as the mission, and in order to prevent that, you kind of have to surveil everybody, and you know, like apparently they did on a very mass scale. Um, and stop something that's not quite, you know, the entire annihilation of the world, I think the balance looks really different. And um, I guess I don't know that anybody ever reevaluated that. But yeah, it came as a shock, certainly to- It came
0: as a shock. To... You all had no clue that this was occurring.
1: Uh, no, no, and then when you see the slides, you know, the things about, you know, uh, tapping our backbone fibers, things like that, those all came as a shock. Now, we were doing things over the number of years to secure uh, our users and our networks anyway, because we realized we were up against nation states uh, we weren 't specifically thinking of the u s but we were already in process of encrypting our <laughs> it was a little bit of a surprise um, uh, but but fortunately, from a technological point of view, you know when you make something secure. You make it secure. You try to use, you know, mathematically secure, you know, cryptography and so forth. So it's not, it doesn't actually matter who it is who is, you know, spying on you. Uh, in, in fact, by the time the snooping on the backbone slides came out, we had already been encrypting the vast majority of our traffic on the backbone uh, for a while prior to that, uh, and um, there are a bunch of crypto things that we had done years before, uh, known as uh, uh, elliptic curve Diffie-Hellman that uh, that we hope and still all the evidence indicates was more secure than um, than the cryptography without forward secrecy that most sites and, and that we were using a number of years prior. Uh, anyhow, I won't bore you with all the details. Uh, the point is that we, we were upping all of our defenses for years prior to that to withstand nation state uh, level attacks and I think that helped.
0: Do you, you, what responsibility now does Google have to prevent this or do something? Do you think Google's been aggressive enough given it, it's the most important, probably, internet company in the world at this point?
1: Uh, there's always more you can do. Uh, we have a group that's hundreds or approaching a 1,000 people that's working on, on in, internet security, and uh, they're very, very talented and very good. But there's always more you can do. And also on a policy front, I mean, this is there are a lot of these revelations have raised a lot of good policy questions for the United States in particular, which you know, really makes it look very hypocritical. Uh, and and I, think, I think that's a problem. I think that these policies should be revisited.
2: So there are people who would listen to that and say, well, he's saying uh, it's a bad thing for the NSA to know all these things, but he's perfectly happy if Google knows everything about us. It, how, how do you respond to that? I mean, you know a lot. About everybody in this room. I don't mean you personally, right at this no, moment. No, me
0: personally. Maybe,
2: maybe there's a chip in your shoe. I don't know, but you know.
1: Um, well, okay, but but the word "no" does imply a level of sentience that I don't believe is there. Okay. Uh, so uh, yes, there's a a lot of data that we process, a lot of data that we store, and you know, ultimately, you need to have. Uh, For example, if we do a good job with your email, we actually need to store the email so you can search it, find it, display it, and so forth. Um, Similarly to do a great job of web search, we need to have the web pages. We need to understand how well we're serving our users currently and things like that. So there is a lot of data you just have to have in order to do that. Um, There are many precautions that we take in terms of internally who and what systems have access to what data, and those are things that we're also always elevating and always making more secure um, to prevent any kind of abuse. I think that one of the You know, unlike, for example, the NSA, certainly, which I would distinguish ourselves by a long shot, but even other kinds of uh, companies, for example, you know, the credit risk ones, um, we actually have a direct consumer-facing brand so that people, uh, that the trust that people have in us is very important to us as a company. We wouldn't survive if people didn't trust us, so we are very motivated to safeguard that data and to So use
2: you don't it think there's a possibility of a, the equivalent of a Snowden whistleblower uh, leaking a bunch of stuff that would shock people about maybe Google not behaving the way you just described?
1: Um, I'm sure we've made our share of mistakes, and you know certainly you guys have seen some of those, and, and, and they've come out, and I'm not claiming that we do a perfect job. you know. There was the Street View Wi-Fi stuff, for example. That was clearly an error to, you know, we were logging things we weren't supposed to be. And uh, I don't think that we're perfect, but we certainly strive to be. And I think if you were to look through, if you were to come in and, uh, you know, see our executive meetings or the emails and the deliberations that happen. We'll do it.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: Yeah. great. Thanks. I'll call Rachel. We
0: have
2: a startup. We could learn something from going here.
0: Rachel's in the back going.
1: I will think about how to arrange... uh, such a thing. Um, no, but seriously. I think somebody going in. Uh, we have people who care very deeply about privacy. People who say, "Stop!" You know, even though, you know, if you process that data and that thing, you might learn something. You have to employ this safeguard and that safeguard, or maybe you shouldn't just shouldn't do that what at all. What is your
0: What do you think of privacy today? What's happened to it? You, as the founder of a company that is has more data about anyone, any any one group of people that have this much idea. What is your definition of what privacy is right now?
1: What is my definition of privacy? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, I think that people... that privacy is the expectation that certain personal secret things stay secret and don't get exposed to other people that you wouldn't want it to. I think that's... So
2: problem. is that possible today? I think it's... Remember, even many years ago, Scott McNeely... Said, "Oh, it's gone. Forget about it. If your privacy is just over, it's gone." I'm paraphrasing him. Do you believe that, or do you believe?
1: Yeah, no, no. I certainly believe that. I think you know. I think there are certainly counterexamples like the Snowden slides themselves. Uh, obviously, they intended for those to stay private. Uh, but I think the vast majority of data, if you look at people who use Gmail or, or things like that, their private messages stay private.
0: Okay. So let's start on talking about what you do all day, Yeah. because um, we are curious about what you do all day. Um, you have been pushing forward this moonshot idea, this idea, well, I don't know, I don't. how do you define it? Right,
2: why don't you tell us? Tell <laughs> us what
0: you do all day. And,
2: and can I ask you, before you do that, I'm super curious about this. You are not the CEO. Like, when you guys were here 10 or 11 years ago, I think you were, the two of you, and Eric, we're sort of running the, the place, but you've put most of your energy, as you said, into Google X. Why? Why did you did you not want to be the CEO, or what was the deal there?
1: Is that true? Am I not the CEO? Spatial <laughs> <laughs> deck. That wasn't one of my well uh, bullet points for this preparation. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Okay. Uh, okay. Well.
0: Given what it not. we were here to Another talk about.
2: recode
1: scooter. Okay. Um, so, uh, no, I'm not the CEO, uh, and uh, very much by choice. I, you know, all the, uh, I mean, there are many challenging regulatory issues that we deal with and challenging employee issues and a whole bunch of things that uh, I'm glad Larry is taking on and not me. Uh, I have been uh, working on Google X about three-ish years, maybe a little bit more now, and I've really, really loved it. And it takes me back to my roots anyway, which is to take some more researchy early tech thing and to try to bring it to life uh, into something that's going to be widely used. And, uh, And also, it's kind of at a... Reasonable scale. We have uh, precisely eight projects, and I don't allow new ones until we graduate them. Uh, for the most part, uh, you know things like indoor maps. Uh, the indoor location for maps came out of Google X, uh, but most of the work we've done has not yet uh, come out. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's you been say eight
0: projects, eight, eight, eight. So we know of how many.
1: Um, I don't know how many you know. You well, probably Loon. know of all of them, Karen. No, I know. I know. Yeah.
0: No.
1: <laughs> Actually, I
0: know you're building a time machine because when I came to see this new thing, <laughs> I thought it was a time machine. and You're going to make me go back and kill Hitler, so something like that. But you, what you have? But Loon? you have
2: you have the, you have Loon project.
0: Yes,
1: Project Loon. Those are the internet, internet balloons. Uh, these are high altitude balloons that, you know, similarly to satellites can provide internet around the world, and those are flying. We had. Uh, recently announced we had one go uh, twice around the world. I can actually probably, I think we've had hit, we've certainly hit three times around the world by now and I think maybe four. Okay, uh, okay. Which the is
0: point exciting. of which is to connectivity everywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean if you go most places in the world, even heck uh, you know, around here in California,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's no coverage in many places. And obviously in the developing world it's even worse. And these balloons are a really affordable way to get coverage everywhere. So All right, Glass. Glass. Project Glass, yes. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: we would have been very disappointed if you didn't bring those, yeah.
1: You know, I brought it. I mostly wear it outside as the thing. I have the shades on, and um, I don't use so it So where are
0: you with Glass now? There's a lot of backlash to Glass. There's a lot of controversy around it, but it's also a very interesting concept of where we're going.
1: Um, there's, there's, Well, there's a fair amount of backlash in the press. I don't know, day-to-day... Um, Certainly when I were, I love to use it, I use it mostly outdoors when I'm biking or with my kids, it's great. Um, I was just in the ocean with my kids the other day and I was you know, waiting, these aren't waterproof yet, but uh, I happened to be waiting and I could take great pictures and I wouldn't have been able to like, fumble with my phone while I'm keeping them from drowning. And, um, so anyway, I get a lot of use out of them for uh, when I'm doing sports or with kids and I'm outside. Uh, and we've had a lot of Explorers who've had really positive experiences with them. And there are more and more, actually. We keep uh, we just recently opened the site up so anybody can become an Explorer now. Uh, but we're still in the Explorer phase. We're still learning. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot about, about just from using these over the past uh, year or so. Uh, and fundamentally, uh, what I've learned for myself, and I think what uh, a lot of our Explorers have learned is they get the most value out of them when they do use them in the context uh, in combination with eyewear. So this is, you know, the shades version, like so. Which maybe it'll look dorky by wearing shades indoors right now, but um, uh, but we also just started shipping uh, a few months ago the prescription version. So you know, if you guys are wearing glasses, you'd have this, you'd be able to you know, also record the video of your interview, mm-hmm. which could be fun.
0: Which you just did, didn't
1: you? Which you but just did. I didn't. Actually, like go on. No, no, I didn't. No, the display did go on because it, when you put it on, it tells you what time it is. Yeah, that's what I can say. Oh, but I will, who knows? Hello. Here, I'll take a picture. I hate those. Things. Oh, oh here I can off. record it. There you go. All right,
0: you need to what? stop. All right, oh, yeah. take them off. Does
1: Megan wear <laughs> them at home? <laughs> Is it going product. to be a commercial product this can, year? Okay, okay, we'll do a 10-second video now. We'll do, <laughs> <laughs> you could ask me your questions.
0: Uh, Read between the lines as, on that one. Uh, <laughs> okay. um, so uh,
1: right, has my, off, cred- stop, has off, my credit off.
2: history come up on there yet? Or, uh we or don't does it need do a any... few more seconds? So
0: what's the point of, what is where are you going with these with these? It's, we like to make glass hole jokes all the time, it's just fun for us press people. But where are you going? What's the concept of what it's
1: well fundamentally if you think about where computing has gone, you know, from the big mainframes uh, to your desktop, laptop, out to a mobile phone, it's gotten closer and more intimate. And, and more instantly available at any time, uh, but it's still not as convenient as it could be. In fact, the way I've thought about Google since we spun it out of uh, the university is augmenting your knowledge with the knowledge of the world. Right. And for that to be true, you know, obviously, all of us sometimes get asked questions. We're like, "Oh, I'll look that up. I'll open it out." And we even have, you know, speech enabled on the phone. Oops, just dropped everything. Oh, here's my Hotel Key Walt, for later. Um.
0: <laughs> Sergey, we're not going there tonight, uh, uh, okay? No.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> so rather than pulling uh, out the phone, what was well, the famous because thing? Because glass, I'll leave the glass off, I promise. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: oh, dear. <laughs> this isn't San Francisco, all right, all right, all okay? Right. This is not San Francisco. <laughs> we're down in Palos Verdes. But with a point being, you made. What was the word you used about taking out a phone? It was not manly, or what was it?
1: Oh, no, I'd rather not repeat that. I'm okay, gonna, all right, I'm going to go use the Gwyneth defense. That got you know. But you, the everywhere. idea is that
0: it becomes more intimate computing.
1: Um, you want it to be like your knowledge. You know, when you when there's something important or useful to you. Uh, you want to be able to to access that quickly and get it out of the way quickly. I mean, that's kind of the thing that I think people miss. That they're like, "Oh, there's all this extra electronics in my life now." Uh, the fact is, I'm much more present uh, with my kids, for example, when I have that because you know, I take a picture, it's done. That's it. I'm not, you know, fumbling with my hands or uh, you know, looking down. I'm able to be there and uh, and and go on with my life or whatever sport I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am able to have that, and if there 's something important or I just want to check the time it 's right there like that so it 's very much about getting the benefits of technology, the information you want instantly when you want it, and not more so uh, and you know in, in my case, I do really love the photography, uh, but without crowding your world with more management and you know the phone does it 's come a really long way. But there is a barrier to you know taking it out of your pocket or purse and turning it on and futzing right. with it and looking down at it and not being present.
2: So um, is this going to be a commercial product this year?
1: Um, this year, I um, it uh, plus or minus. What? Plus, plus or, or minus. Plus or minus. I'm not sure. I can't tell you exactly. You know, it's, it's I, I I would hope that we could by the end of the year, but uh, um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, we do want to incorporate the learnings that we've gotten, and we've learned a lot about how people actually use this and what works for them and what doesn't work for them, uh, and it just takes time to incorporate okay. those changes and to be able to manufacture Third at one. scale. Third one. Third one is the driverless car.
0: Which the, we're going to talk yeah, about tonight. The,
1: the
2: self-driving car, yes. So there's something new on that, you, right? New on
0: that. We're going to show you yeah. first the video.
1: Right? Um, you told me. Yeah, yes. We had uh... the
0: video. Liz, uh, Liz Gaines and I went down to Google, and they actually surprised me, which is a rare thing anymore, um, with a product that they are going to announce right now. Video? This is my reality television show. Whoa. an interesting idea. And uh, sort of conceptually where things are going where people just get in these vehicles and then just get driven places by them. Yeah. So if you want to buckle up. Okay. Yeah, so yes, I, I definitely
1: want to do that. Okay. okay. So Phyllis. we're just going to send you off for a ride for a few minutes. Yeah. So make sure
0: there's a buckle seat, Phil, press one ready. So you, do you want me to push go? Just press
1: the button. Please.
0: Yep. Uh, you go. All right. See you in a couple minutes. Okay, thanks. It's delightful. It's kind of an obvious idea at the same time. Like, shouldn't there be, why do we? Why are we glomming things onto cars? Why don't we just create cars that are self-driving from the start? So it's kind of interesting. It's also adorable. This is pretty cool, I have to say. Oh, damn you, Google. It's cool. <laughs> Once again. Wow. Very nice. I like it much better than Google Glass. I will not put those things on, OK? <laughs> Thank you for so. looking that in.
2: What's the...
1: Okay, wait, wait, First, right, come let's, on, try it on. Try it on. Oh,
0: come on. I hate these things. Gee. All right, there you go. That's but it. But don't look
1: at my texts. You can, oh, I'm taking feel, your see, picture. I can't take your picture now wearing them because yeah, I don't have them. All I want to do is set up information I had another pair. about the
0: world around me. Um, so, the car. This is a fully... i sure
2: Samsung will be happy... That you said that. <laughs> what
0: you're introducing? Does it have a name? This thing that you um, can uh, be
1: This is just our prototype. Uh, okay. It doesn't have a name because we're still at the prototype stage. All right. So and this
0: is a fully self-driving car, not added on to a car.
1: Um, this is yeah. I mean, you notice the key thing is it doesn't have a steering wheel. No, I noticed uh, that. You notice that when you're in it, uh, or or pedals. Nothing. Um,
0: no brakes. No accelerator. No yeah. steering wheel, which was worrisome uh, to me on many levels. So you just got in, I pushed a button, and it went, and it did the course that it was supposed to do based on the maps and the radar and things like that.
1: Yeah, so we took a look from the ground up as to what would it be like if we had self-driving cars in the world, and what should they be like? And, uh, and we've been building prototypes of that, and you, you got the experience one of our earliest prototypes, actually. Uh, and uh, that's that's project... You've, 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 you've
2: had to go past this prototype because it crash too often or what?
1: <laughs> we have not had any crashes. Okay. Um, we we test these things very carefully. And uh, you were you were in the parking lot. Right, we were the in a parking, parking lot park. test. <laughs> Thank um uh, but no we have not had a, any uh, any crashes uh, with that let's so, talk so conceptually so what what's what's the you're conception
2: doing conception behind it how how does this how does the world look with these cars?
1: Yeah so the reason that I'm super excited about those these prototypes and the self Driving car project in general is the ability to change the world and the community around you. I mean, first off, there are all the people who are underserved by transportation today, and you know, if you're not in a major city, you're not like in Manhattan. There's not you know a zillion cabs out there. Uh, there's not great public transportation, buses and things. Most places uh, in the U.S., certainly where we are in Silicon Valley, uh, there are not and if you look at people who are too young, too old, disabled, uh in various ways can't get around that's uh, that's a huge issue and it's really uh it's really a challenge for them uh, i was um I, I remember actually when we were just first got this prototype shipped and i was biking to work and i passed by Uh, a bus stop on my bike, and there was this little old lady who had just walked up, and I saw the bus had just left, and she was carrying, like, her groceries or something, and I felt really sad for her, because I knew, you know, the the bus has come really infrequently, it was going to be at least an hour for her where we are, and, you know, and it was was going to be a big burden for her to get to wherever she was going, and she probably was going to have to walk a long way from the bus stop anyway. Uh, and we could serve so many people by having widespread...
2: So what would be the scenario for that uh, For that woman? She would summon one of these cars? She would
1: uh, summon the cars, uh, one of the cars, or perhaps there would actually be enough of them around, she could hail it. But uh, at the very least, just with a phone app, uh, you get the car to pull up. Uh, with her Galaxy S5? <laughs> I'm sure she had a cell phone. I'm not positive she had the Galaxy okay. S5. So
0: she would call it up, it would just yes. arrive empty... Correct? One of these cars? Uh,
1: yeah.
2: And then yeah. she would say where she wanted to go?
1: Uh, she would say where she wanted to go, or she could use... She, uh, I, you know, by the way, this is very early stages of R&D. The actual right. you know, UI for the summoning isn't something we've put a lot of work into. She would just do that, uh, actually, in the app, probably. Just say, I'm going from here to here. And then the car would pull up, uh, she would get in, and off it would go to
0: where it was going. And it has the same qualities as the self-driving cars you're you're fashioning onto current cars. The lasers, the radar, the cameras. Yeah,
1: so actually we can do better. Uh, The main reason that I wanted to do, uh, that, well, we collectively, the team and I decided to develop this prototype vehicle is that we can do a better job uh, than we can by Adding onto an existing vehicle, which most of our cars, we have Priuses and Lexuses right now. And the things that we were able to do, uh, first of all, the experience feels different. Yeah. Uh, you've probably tried one of our prior yes, cars, Yeah, cars. I was in a car. It was like being in a But car. feeling, you're just sitting there in the front, there's no steering wheel, no pedals. Uh, for me, it was actually very uh, relaxing. It was just, I don't know how you felt, but I was.
0: I wanted a drink.
1: You wanted a drink? I wanted to
0: text and drink at the same time. Uh,
1: And and you can. And I was, you know, in about 10 seconds after getting in, I was like doing my email and I forgot I was there. And uh, it ultimately reminded me of, uh, you know, catching like a chairlift by yourself. I guess you had your um, partner in there with you. So, uh, but there's a bit of solitude when you catch one of these by yourself that I found really enjoyable. And it was
0: more comfortable. It yeah, the was like a couch. It was like sitting on a couch.
1: Yeah, that's very comfortable. Uh, but the big one is really in safety, and it has to do with where we can put all the sensors, uh, the lasers, the radars, things like that. The placement becomes much more optimal uh, in terms of not having obstructions to them being able to see around. There are uh, these prototypes have redundant. Uh, steering. So typically, a typical car will have power steering motors. And but the theory is that if that fails, then you are the backup. Uh, which it's actually you know it takes a lot to turn the steering wheel of a car when this power steering goes out. But the driver is the backup. So in the self-driving car, we don't have that. Uh, right. So that has redundant power steering motors, and uh, the brakes are also redundant. Uh, okay. Uh, for that same reason.
0: What about cars, other cars on the road? Like, you, this is in a city, they only go 25 miles per hour, correct?
1: So these these vehicles are limited to 25 miles an hour, which is another level of safety. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, because you're, you know, any kind, well, first of all, all the sensors and all the software we put in uh, will avoid uh, collisions. Uh, now nothing can be perfect and you can't, you know, there's laws of physics that if some somebody is right in front of you you just can't stop in time uh, and so having the lower speed increases the safety and we've actually designed these with some safety features that haven't uh, ever been created before but there's about like two feet of foam on the front and the windshield is actually made not of glass but it's, you know, a plastic kind of like this it gives uh, and we've already done uh a whole bunch of uh, testing and simulations and we'll do physical tests that should make it uh, far safer than any other car for pedestrian protection. And
2: how did did you get this built? Uh, Did you commission uh, a a car factory or how did you get this built?
1: Uh, We've worked with partners uh, like in the Detroit area, in Germany, in California. We've used automotive suppliers. So this is using uh, car parts uh, that are Kind of standard, but sometimes we've uh, we've modified them to our needs. For example, but
2: how about the whole body? I mean, of their. Uh,
1: yeah, we've worked with uh, with partners, uh, auto manufacturing firms, that have helped us with the body and.
0: How many are you building of these? Because I think we we'll have uh, about so one one or, it's two or three hundred, right? We're
1: we're we planned to go up to about one or two hundred of these. These are the prototypes. Um, let me tell you a little bit more about why else we're <laughs> building okay. a, a part of a part of the vision. So. Uh, allowing people who can't get around to get around is 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 one. Uh, there's also a huge tax on the community by having all these individually owned and operated cars. Uh, most cars sit parked about, I forget, 96 or 97 percent of the time, and for every car there are about three parking spaces, and this is just a huge. Load on the community in terms of space. You know, the land area we dedicate to parking, for example, if you guys look out here, uh, there's tons and tons of parking. Uh, and by the way, the stat uh, I recently read was that about 30%, during a peak hour, about 30% of the driving you see in a city is people looking for parking. So that that goes away if you just, uh, if you have self-driving cars that you know just drop you where you need to go and they go off and pick up another passenger. Uh, in terms of congestion on the roads themselves, the self-driving cars can also fare quite a bit better. Uh, we hope eventually they'll be able to form trains so that they use much less space on the roads. And uh, conceivably, there's nothing preventing them going at much higher speeds. These are limited 25 miles an hour. There's no reason you couldn't go 100 miles an hour or faster uh, safely once you prove that they can do that safely.
2: This is an electric car, right?
1: Uh, This one is electric. That's correct.
2: Um, You talk about all those advantages, but there's a disadvantage, which is people. A lot of people like the idea of having their own car, being able to not depend on some service or whether it's Google or some other company to get the car to them and all of that, they want to be able to jump in their car. This is a very deeply held feeling among, you know, tens and millions of Americans. They want to jump in that car and go where they want to go. It could be across the country. It could be around the corner. And it it matters.
0: And how do you battle that?
1: Well, I'm certainly not advocating that we get rid of all cars that do not drive themselves. uh, Though some of the safety that Features that we develop might be more broadly applicable uh, to to individually operated cars as well. Uh, I think that there's a mix. You know, some people do want to do that. Some people don't. Um, I don't know. You had the experience of being in there and mm-hmm. uh, you know, whipping out your phone. Well, and...
0: it was interesting because I felt like I was in a, on a ride. It felt like a ride in a weird way it's adorable. It's like this little round thing, and so it looks like you know. I named it Phyllis, but. Um, but it was, it was enjoyable, but it did feel like I was on a Disney ride. It felt like, you know, and it was, it wasn't disconcerting because I've been on rides or on a bus or a subway. It felt more like public transportation. And so that was interesting. I suppose I could get used to it because I do like to text and I don't text and drive, by the way. Um, but I do like to, I mean, it's a waste of time to be in a car in a lot of ways. Um, so that was the plus. The minus is I do like to ride around and scream at people with my car and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, there's both, twi- both back and forth.
1: Um, I, I expect people will use a mix. Uh, some people will probably want to have their own car that they drive, uh, and sometimes they'll choose to use that, and sometimes they'll choose to use uh, a self-driving car.
0: Can I ask an obvious question? If you have this car system, first of all, does Google want to be a car company? I mean, because you've made the Nexus, you make you make prototypes of things. Are you going to be a car company?
1: Well, we actually don't make the Nexus.
0: But do uh, um, your, your, you the, want to sell cars?
1: Uh, so we've worked with partners to build these prototypes, and we expect we'll work with partners in the future, including automotive companies. And you know, the Nexus is a great example because you know the Nexus phones are made right. by Samsung or LG and so forth. Right. And. You no, know, look, the, getting the technology to work and to be robust and reliable, and I should probably clarify where we are in this cycle. Um, the, the reason that you know, we want to talk about it today is because you're going to start to see these driving around and right. want to and explain go what well. that is. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but, but it's still early. You know, we're still doing lots of development, both in the software, the hardware, uh, and the experience. So what's
2: your estimate of when these might actually be... Sold or for real or operate in fleets or whatever.
1: Um, I, I think you know being broadly available is still a long way away. Uh, I kind of uh, when we had the um, California bill get signed by Governor Brown, those was like uh, a year and change ago, I think. And I said you know five years uh, till we can try these in some form. I hope that's still true. Uh, but these, I hope, within uh, we'll be testing them before the end of the year, I hope, with uh, safety drivers. You can plug in a joystick, actually, mm-hmm. or okay. something similar to that. Anyway, okay. there's the controller that we're uh, working out for. the. And, and currently, we have a fleet of these self-driving modified Lexus vehicles. Yeah,
0: there's just the stop button. Yeah. It didn't feel so good. So,
1: so we'll have that with the, uh, with the safety drivers. But within a couple of years, I hope that uh, we will surpass the safety metrics we've put in place which is to be significantly safer than a human driver, and we'll start testing them uh, without, without drivers, and hopefully you'll be able to utilize them in some limited uh, city.
2: So the object- Just with, within a few years?
1: <laughs> yeah. So- uh, and- but that's, that's still on a test basis. That's anticipate- with a small number of prototypes.
2: Do you anticipate uh, federal regulatory problems with this?
1: Uh, I, I hope not. We've already worked with regulators on this. Obviously, the self-driving car project has been uh, around and publicly known for uh, a while. And uh, California, Nevada, and Florida uh, have uh, legislation on the books that sort of addresses it. Um, I mean, historically, most vehicles were self-driving as in you know, usually pulled by horses and things, so it's not <laughs> unprecedented.
0: Go back to the horse laws. That's a good. Well,
2: actually, the guy right? in the vehicle
1: would... Sometime, control the whole sometimes there have courses that are just. So uh, this is probably. Anyhow, uh, we've worked, you know, to try to come up with sensible regulations, and uh, you know, we're op- we're optimistic about uh, being able to test uh, uh, in the U.S. and uh, potentially abroad as well in the future. And yeah, we hope to be able to to run so it. Can I ask in- an
0: obvious mundane question? If you have the self-driving car fleet, don't you need to own the reservation system, which is Uber? which you have a big investment in? Do you um, need a reservation? Does these things are a reservation system, it's kind of thing, calling up the cars. And things. You have a huge investment in Uber right now.
1: Um, yeah, I think some of these kind of business questions, like how will the service be operated, will we operate ourselves or work with partners and things like that uh, are things that we'll sort out uh, when it's you know, closer to being widely deployed. I think that these uh, initial test vehicles will probably just operate a service ourselves because it's going to be a very specialized thing. Uh, but longer term, it's uh, it's not clear, and uh, we are almost certainly going to partner with a lot of companies, possibly Uber. Mm-hmm.
2: So, what's the fourth Google X project? We've talked about three. <laughs> um, you said so there were
1: eight. the uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you about all of them, but uh, the uh, glucose. Uh, measuring contact lens. That's that's been one of the ones I've been most excited about, and I can take the least credit for starting it. It turns out Babak, who worked on glass before, had a real passion about this.
0: Is this in the broader sense of what you're doing? You're not gonna tell us what the others are. Um, One is an invisibility cloak, everybody, just FYI.
1: Sorry, one is what?
0: One is an invisibility cloak, right?
1: Invisibility cloak? Yeah. Uh, that, that we've already developed that's why i have you know okay okay good you're person here whispering okay good. answers to me <laughs> <laughs> it's working pretty well huh
0: yeah um but should, it's really interesting that a company does this. You guys make so much money in your basic business search. I mean, it's literally like you could you could open a series you know a, a, a series of restaurants. Nobody would care at this point. A series and of restaurants. Restaurants, you know, Sergei's or something like that. What? You know, a pancake place. <laughs>
1: Sergei's restaurant.
0: Sergei's restaurants. You could open almost anything.
1: Who told you about
2: that? Oh, okay. <laughs> the invisibility
0: <laughs> person. <laughs> um, you could do almost anything. <laughs> what? You know, a line of sports clothing for you, absolutely. Um, he shows up in this. She shows up in sports clothing. We went to a black tie dinner, and he and I and he showed up in sports clothing. And I went, "What is wrong with you?" And he goes, "What? I look great." Like, <laughs> but um, and you did in sports. Clothing. Was I
1: wearing black tie? I don't remember this occasion.
0: It was black tie. Everyone did was. But I have a black tie. tie? But you.
1: Is it just the tie that's key?
0: It was the it was the dirty sports clothing. Anyway, we're not going to talk about this. We're not having a little reality show here. Um, so, is can Google? Why is Google doing this stuff? What is the point of it? It's it's got it's fascinating and interesting. And by the way, I think the self-driving car is critically important. That's a one. I mean, I make fun of Glass, and I and I continue to maintain my opinion of it. But but the self-driving car is an important concept. Why is Google doing these things?
2: Is it is it just to satisfy?
0: Your curiosity? Your curiosity,
2: or the teams, or is it actually a product development thing?
1: Um, I mean, I think the answer is both. I think you know, first of all, it's important to work on something you really enjoy and uh, and feel passionate about. I personally really enjoy taking some kind of more challenging research uh, project that has you know some real technical barriers and trying to turn that into something that's that's important and widely used. Uh, and uh, I think it's important for Companies in general to try to do new things. I mean, that's how new things happen.
2: Is there is there a process in the non Google X part of the company to do big game changing things that might be a little a little less uh, out Fashion. there than this, but which would would change markets in a big way? I mean, like you did with search. There were there were Some search uh, providers before you, and you just took it to a whole other level when you when you appeared. Um, Android was a little bit different because Apple had been out the year before, but but Android has huge market share, but it wasn't like a whole new idea. Um,
1: Well, okay, by that metric, search certainly was not a whole new idea. There was Excite, Lycos, Alta Vista. InfoSeq. Uh, there, there were a lot of search engines before Google. Uh, but there were some things that I think we did that were unique and, and did better. And, and I think Android did some things uniquely better. And certainly the Android project, by the way, was going for a long time prior to Apple announcing and releasing the iPhone. So, uh, But are there other things going on? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of projects. I hope that they do well. I don't know. And is you,
2: there, but I mean, do, is Google X sort of off to the side doing these things, and maybe one of them will hit and become a big deal, or, uh, or is it tightly integrated with, with the rest of Google? Uh,
1: no, no, it's certainly not tightly integrated. In fact, probably one of my criteria is to make sure that the projects are different and distant enough that we don't cause a lot of entanglement and complication. Uh, it's, and, and none of the kinds of things that we work on, I hope, are, are ones that other groups at Google would be likely uh, to pursue or pursue something similar. I think it's, uh, it's great that they are doing the other things uh, at Google, but it's not you know, my favorite thing to do to manage complicated entanglements between different parts of the company.
0: What do you manage any other part of Google? Do you spend any time there? I mean, you're on the board.
1: Um, I am on the board. Uh, I spent a fair amount of time, though I stopped a little while ago. Uh, actually, on the, uh, the the computer security stuff that, and I'm glad we rolled out a bunch of those defenses uh, both during my tenure and since. Um, that's pretty much
0: it. What's your relationship with Larry like now?
1: It's been it's been really good. Now uh, I see him typically once or twice uh, a week we have, um, I saw today, uh, because kind of we have some central meetings that I tend to go to, uh, and, uh, and that's also, that is my, I do participate in broader company issues during that time, uh, but, uh, but most of the rest of the week I'm off in Google X buildings, which are a little bit farther away.
2: So you're working on this kind of cutting edge technology, um, are you patenting all these things? And what do you think in general about the whole business that we, uh, of the patenting of software and the patenting of tech ideas in general?
1: Uh, well, Google X, by the way, develops lots of uh, hard, hardware. In fact, one of the requirements that I kind of instituted on Google X projects was that there has to be some component of it that's, you know, atoms, not bits uh, of each project. Uh, so, you know, we do patent uh, quite a bit, and uh, you know a lot of that is not software. I think that the patent system uh, could be improved greatly uh, you know, by by many metrics, uh, but it also is what it is. So you know, I think we we need to. Well, how would you improve?
2: Give me two examples of things that would be better. I think that, that could be or should be better.
1: I uh, I would. Uh, exclude business process patents. Uh, I would also have different terms on different uh, areas of patents because I think the whatever, 17, 19 years uh, is too long for example for a lot of technology.
2: So you would shorten it?
1: I would definitely because of shorten. the
2: cycles of technology?
1: Yeah, I think the cycles uh, don't make sense. It's not uh, a reasonable trade for society to you know, have something locked out for such a long period of time. I would also require that the patent holder be actually using and practicing the patent, not to have just patent trolls. Um, there's, I mean, there are many, many ways in which it could be improved. Uh, I, th- I think fundamentally you have to look at two different possible future worlds. Uh, and let's say somebody invents some whatever new square wheel or whatever. So, what does the world a look Project like? Project number five. Square <laughs> wheel. Yeah. yeah. We are not reinventing the wheel, by the way, at Google X, and we have proper uh, uh, um, wheels from automotive suppliers on the self-driving cars. But anyway, <laughs> let's say somebody invents this square wheel and they bring it to reality. You have to look at what would the world. What does the world look at because they came up with this idea? Uh, and got whatever protection they got for it versus another world where, you know, they had never thought of it and they had never existed and so forth. And, you know, in many cases you would say, well, world B, you know, the next guy came up with the idea like two weeks later anyway. Uh, and in many cases you know that because in the U.S. you can keep your patent a secret for a year anyhow, so you, you know that other companies or people were doing that to do that anyway. So you you haven't actually gotten much benefit over that, you know, the world B looks just as, low, as good By as... By giving the
2: first person Yeah, why person did you give that person 19 years that
1: or, protection when the next guy came up with that in very short order? So I think whatever patent regime you have, it has to be the case that society is getting a good trade in that sense, that you, know, you have to be better off than if that person had never existed, never thought of that IDX.
2: And... Do you, do you, you know, your partners, your, your Android, main Android partner, Samsung, has lost a couple of patent court cases to Apple. Um, is there a, do you personally believe there's a role for juries and judges to litigate these things? Uh,
1: I think it would be much better if it were settled by the companies, and I think it would be better if the legislation sort of supported a smoother, Clear path. I mean, I think these are very nuanced, uh, complicated issues. And by the way, I'm not a lawyer or a expert, but uh, I think I think it's going to be really hard uh, for uh, a jury and a judge to decide each one of these. And it's kind of a roll of the dice. And there's a lot of effort uh, gets spent. There's a lot of uncertainty over the duration of the trial. I think it would be far better if. Uh, the companies were able to come to a resolution themselves, and if the laws encouraged that.
2: And would you feel that way if, if Samsung had won both these cases instead of losing them, or, or?
1: I haven't followed each case, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I'm sure there are a mix of assertions and patents and some won, some lost. I'm sure it's a mix, and I'm sure it always will be.
0: So, last question, and then we'll get to some questions from the audience. Um, uh, competitors. Who are, well, I don't know who your competitors are, but Uh, Who who do you consider Google X's competitors and then Google's? How do you look at the competitive? Do you think about the competitive landscape at all or do you just go in and say, I'm going to invent this today and not really care about that?
1: Uh, I, I kind of feel from a Google X point of view, really, if there are notable competitors, it's probably not a project we ought to be doing. Right. Because we have the capability to bring something, new things to the world. Now, there definitely are you know, after we've announced projects, there have definitely been other competitors that have uh, come forth, and we've perhaps encouraged the sector, and that's great, and you know, we'll still continue to work on that. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm not interested in doing things that are done by many other people.
2: And what about Google as a whole? How do you look at Google's competitors? What You know a lot about Apple. You know a lot about Microsoft. What, what, do, you, what do you think is the kind of the playing for the status of those companies. Yahoo?
1: I think that we are we Google are at our best when we really change how something is viewed. For example, uh, Gmail. I mean certainly there was Hotmail and Yahoo Mail. There were other webmail services that existed. But Gmail with its scaled searchability, it was basically an I'm scared to use this term now because it's in this decade, it doesn't really mean the same things that they used to. But it was sort of an enterprise class uh, email system. I mean, it was something designed for uh, uh, you know, anybody, you know, that that's what I use. That's what uh, anybody who can even spend a lot of money would use. So it's kind of changed it from webmail from being a toy to being a real high-end email and provided it to the world. Uh, and that kind of transformation is what I hope we do in all the sectors that we enter. What ab-
0: what but about we may or may
1: not succeed in all What about
0: that. in social? How do you look at Google? You were involved in Google Plus early on, I, if I remember.
1: Um, um, marginally. I think, uh, I think I'm think i probably the worst person to speak about social. I'm just not a very social person myself. Okay. <laughs> and I never, I don't tend to like You
2: don't, you're not don't active on, to... on Google Plus?
1: Um, I post a bit mostly just to my, you know, pictures of the kids to family, but that's not really, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, like, connect with a lot of people, or I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo. And it was probably a mistake for me to be doing anything tangentially related to social to begin with.
2: Okay. Do you think the company, you think the company needs to be a significant player in that field, and you think it will be?
1: I think it depends on what you view. Is that a field? Is that a feature? Is that a product in itself? I mean... Uh, certainly, you want to be able to take pictures with your glass or with your phone and share it with your friends and family and so forth. And you know, to not be able to do that doesn't make but sense. But to go back
2: to what you said a few minutes ago about when you're talking about the patents and, and then later about how you choose product, projects, it's not as if there aren't other social networks already out there that have a lot of people in them where you can, uh, from your Android phone, from your iPhone, whatever, just put the picture up there if you want. It's not as if Google Plus, you know, is the only. Oh my God! Nobody else let you put your pictures up. We better have a product that does that.
1: Uh, I think that when you, if you look at when, you know, when we were, when we built that and so forth, it wasn't actually so easy. There weren't, you know, a zillion apps there. Uh, you know, we had a photo management, uh, which probably people forget, like Picasa, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of photos, and we definitely wanted those to be shareable. Uh, and wasn't actually so easy to be able to integrate with other services to do that. Uh, now, today, there is a way to share from the gallery. In fact, um, in fact uh, I don't know if we've quite shipped this publicly yet, but on my glass, it just uh, it puts the photos in the gallery on the phone from which I can Facebook or Google Plus or do whatever or Instagram or do whatever else I want. But that wasn't the case uh, when we... Uh, added uh, the Google Post functionality across the range of Google products. And I think even still today, due to the dynamics of the business dynamics and so forth, it's actually not so straightforward to do that uh, if we couldn't have access to the social network and friend lists and so forth.
0: So are you, how long are you going to keep doing this, this crazy uh, weird, onus?
1: Google everything. X. Everything. Yeah. Uh, everything. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy. As long as I stay happy, I'll... Certainly do it. I I've been actually much happier with my job since I made the transition to Google X, and uh, you know it's possible at some point that's going to outgrow the size that I enjoy, and I might want to double down, focus on an individual project or something. What but
0: would you do after that?
1: After well, no. I might pick one project to just really part. be able to focus. I just I like working at a somewhat more manageable scale for me. Anyway, I like to be closer to the iron, as it were. Mm-hmm. So that's fun for me.
0: Great. Questions Thanks. from the audience? Questions? Wow. Okay, good. Uh, let's start down here with Jessica. Hi, Sergey. Uh, Jessica Lesson from The Information. Uh, another example of atoms, not bits, uh, is satellites. And I was wondering if you could talk at all about what Google or Google X um, is thinking about a strategy there. There have been a few interesting moves and hires, Um, and would Google ever make its own satellites like its own cars?
1: Uh, We already have a fleet of a million satellites over... No, I'm just kidding. Um... (laughs) They're not kidding. (laughs) There's a lot of space up there. Uh, No, so there aren't... uh, Well, I don't really want to speculate about the other Google X projects, but uh, no, there's no no satellite things that I can announce today. Um, We end up talking to lots of companies...
0: You, would, you know what? You would make a great Bond villain. So good. You would be so good. I'm just saying.
1: Um, also, I can't talk What's... about the FemBot project. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> What's interesting to you about satellites? Yeah.
1: What's interesting to you interesting. about satellites, Brown. yeah. As a I don't, uh, I, there's nothing that I have particular, there are, okay, I, there, are, there are no Google X projects related to satellites. We certainly end up working with a lot of companies. I mean, some of the things you probably know about are, are uh, for the imagery we collect for uh, Google Earth, uh, right. like uh, the GOI satellites and things like that. So we, we end up talking to lots of satellites. And, you know, satellites are a nice, useful piece of technology for lots of things that, Especially equipped with those green lasers. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, that one's now stuck. Oh I
0: am so screwed. Go ahead, Bobby.
1: Sergey, first thanks for
2: uh, attending the conference, and I still love using Picasa. Mm-hmm. Um, quick question: How long do you think before the world is ready for what I think is a killer app for glass? Remember someone's name.
1: Um, yeah, we've not put, uh, well, not only have we not put facial recognition in Glass, but uh, we've actually asked our Glassware developers not to put that in. Uh, it, it would be certainly a handy feature, especially at a conference like this. It's just, uh, you know, we also, we've you know, there's a lot that we've bitten off uh, with this project as is, and I think the facial recognition uh, is, is an area that society is still formulating its views on, so, well, there's a hundred other things for us to work on first.
2: Couldn't you do it without facial recognition, so that if, if two different people were wearing glass, there would be some way to sort well, of you know could the use the serial number of the other person's?
1: Uh, or, uh, yeah, I mean, you could use it if you're willing to install software, or, I mean, you could do it from glass to phone, or phone to phone, for that matter, and... Um, I mean, there are lots of services that already do this. Usually, they're for hooking up for sex, but um, okay. But uh, again, we're
0: not going. All yet. right.
1: Yes,
2: Larry. Yeah. Hi Sergey. Larry Magid. Yes. Um, last week, I think it was a European court issued this right to be forgotten ruling, which really shook up a lot of people. Uh, talk a little bit about first of all, can it be implemented? I mean, if, assuming that you you have to do it. I mean, how do you technically do something where you block search based on some notion that something may be irrelevant or out of date? uh, And and just, you know, what's the follow-up to this?
1: What's gonna happen? Um, Yeah, great question. Uh, I think this, uh, I wish we could just forget the ruling. Um, But uh, but we're not forgetting the ruling. We are in process of implementing it, and uh, you've touched on one of the most problematic elements about it, uh, which is so much of the judgment is apparently left to you know in our case the search engine, which is not a place that that I think we should be in i don 't know for those of you who might not have heard about it, but uh you know in theory, when somebody comes to you and asks that well, this should be eliminated from search, but for whatever reason, not from news, and i don 't know if it needs to be taken out of the search on news sites um, there's a lot of vagueness there. Uh, But based on whether it's relevant or not, and whether there's a public benefit or not, and so forth, maybe it should be not shown as a result. And uh, that is not the kind of legislation that makes it easy to provide an information service. Uh, Now whether you agree with the general concept or not, you know, if they said, well, the law is you can't show these million URLs in uh, whichever European country. okay, like that's something that the citizens there can agree or disagree with, but we can implement uh, pretty, uh, quite easily. Um, Yeah, having these vague, very subjective laws for information providers I think is a bad idea. Okay,
2: Loic? Hi, Sergei. Uh, There was an interesting story about self-driving cars I, I, I saw last week where the car has to decide as a human especially when you remove uh, the driving wheel. So let's say the car um, has someone walking in front of it and has to stop. But right behind Kara, there is also a big truck coming full speed. And so the car has to choose between killing the person
1: walking in front of the car or you in the car because the truck is coming. What? Well, how do it's you? It's like
0: a dinner party, one yeah. of those things.
1: Um, how do you decide? Okay. Uh... Who
0: dies, Sergei? <laughs>
1: okay. So. Cara, uh, in that in that case in particular which I think is unlikely to happen uh, but uh, nobody's likely to die because the frame of the car is actually quite strong and uh, we've already done crash testing of portions of it and we'll be crash tests, doing full uh, crash tests shortly uh, the so Kara, uh, I believe will be safe even with a truck uh, hitting her from behind uh, and there's also a lot of space, you yeah, there's no real dash, so you have, you know, plenty of space there. The seat belt, which I assume you're going to be wearing, uh, will keep you restrained. Uh, and the person in front, uh, walking in front of the car, in fact, even if it's, you know, mechanically inevitable, now the car doesn't weigh that much, so I don't think, by the way, whether it slams on the brakes or not, if it's being pushed by this giant truck crashing to the back of it, is necessarily going to make the difference to the pedestrian. But the fact that we have developed this extremely cushy front and uh, flexible windshield uh, I think will likely keep that person safe, too.
2: But it still would have to make a choice of some kind. You, you said it was unlikely, but I could imagine that scenario. I mean, I don't know what the statistical uh, probabilities are, but it's not a completely made-up idea. So.
1: What does Uh, the car do? You you have to put some kind of priority in there, right? uh, No, look, the car is going to avoid running over the person. um, And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, if you believe it it will be rare-ended in that case. But generally, it's also defensive, more defensive than human drivers. It uh, currently even uh, doesn't enter a green light. It waits a little bit. And also, uh, there are side-facing radars that will alert it as to cars that are running the red light. Um, these kind of hypothetical situations are, you know, I don't know, we can debate this philosophers, but the fact is that we can make cars that are far safer than human drivers. Uh, in real life, these dilemmas don't occur uh, with any substantive frequency, and um, there, are, there are over 30,000 auto fatalities in the U.S. every year and over a million in the world, uh, and they're almost always driver error. and uh, I don't know, I've yet to hear of an actual case where it said, like, oh, there was this dilemma, it had to hit, you know, yeah. this or that.
0: It, we, we actually tried to drive into the creator of Google Car, the good self-driving car. Some, two people stood in front yeah, of the we, car. We have Jay and we're Walker's like, Let's deliberately. Go. And it stopped. Uh, yeah. Sadly. Esther. <laughs> I wanted to see the foam in action. I did. I was interested in the foam. So, this question, very briefly, is about the right to live forever. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening with Calico, what you're trying to make it do, how it interacts with Google X, if at all?
1: Um, The right to live forever. Uh, I haven't heard it described that way, but uh, yeah, Calico, which, there's not that much um, that uh, I'm privy to, uh, but uh, I know that Art uh, Levinson, who runs it, has been busy building a team and uh, getting some great facilities and they're really excited uh, to to work on to work on basically making us to extending healthful life, uh, which is um, which is I think it's great to have that direct mission rather than some of the more you know less I guess direct incentives that people typically have in pharmaceutical or uh, biotech companies. And yeah, from what I know, they're excited. They're you know they're doing all the biochemistry and so forth. They have interesting pathways they're studying and so forth. Uh, I imagine it's going to take a long time uh, to, to achieve real results. These They might.
0: There. They might die before they just solve it.
1: <laughs> the, they, the better, they, better, they better get moving. Um, I, I think human lifespan is currently extending about one year per decade, which is obviously not enough to live forever, but uh, I don't know. They seem really excited, and I I have no reason to doubt that they'll make, help us live longer. Okay, right. last question.
2: Hi, I'm Adam Gold, I'm the founder of SVL Capital. Uh, firstly, thank you, 10 years ago I invested in a startup IPO of a search engine, because of that I am my own investment firm, so thanks very much, keep it up. Um, I'm also a happy Glass Explorer, so I'm sorry to hear that we won't have the products available this year. It's one of those recognizable products friends all over the world ask about it, so Hopefully it comes out soon. Is there a question? It is, my question is related to that. Why does it take so long for innovation to come out? Um, and you think about 15 years ago when you started the company, you're still focused really on the same thing, yet there's so many exciting projects. So why does it take so long for innovation to get through?
1: Uh, that's a great question. In, in the case of Glass, there's you know the truth is there's been a lot of learning for me in terms of what it takes to get hardware out and how to you know, manufacture it at scale, having the supply chain, all the components there. A bazillion little components there that come from all around the world, and we have to put them all together. And then, you know, when whatever you get a bad batch of one, or, uh, or you know, there's some, uh, something we discover from our explore feedback that needs to be tweaked. Uh, it just takes uh, a while. It's not, you know, software revs, and especially an online service, you know, you are used to turning around every day. Uh, but uh, this, is, this does operate on a longer time scale. Uh, and it is a very new form factor, so we want to make sure we get a chance to get the feedback. But we're we're, we're working away at it. Uh, uh, Possibly I wouldn't I wouldn't count on this year, but you know we're working quite at a feverish pace, and um, it's uh, it's coming along. It's coming along. Uh, more broadly, yeah, I'm I'm always frustrated at development cycles and how long it takes to do things. I uh, I wish I hopefully we can record this question and I'll show it to all my teams. Like why does it take so? Long, I feel like you know, in the good old days back when I was developing Google on punch cards, little <laughs> going with my little paper puncher, stapling that out. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like we could go a lot faster, and uh, it's, now little well, you know, JavaScript and Ajax, and all these kids want the blah 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 social notes like zillions of lines of incomprehensible gobbledygook. Yeah, I don't know why it takes such a long time. It's a great he question. has
0: no idea. He has no idea. Yeah. But he's going to yell you. at someone when he gets back to Google, okay? He's on it, okay.
1: I used to, like, punch those little things out by hand to get Google. I working. still
0: don't know what you're talking
1: about. Paper cards. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. I know, had a really oh, good well, social life
0: in high school and stuff. I, didn't
1: I didn't know, know what you're talking about. Yeah, you he still, knows. like, that's how, you know, we used to do it. You, like, have these cards and they're the yeah, little no. characters. It's like, a, okay, it's like, imagine a tweet. <laughs> Only, like, 60 characters shorter because they're, in fact, 80 characters uh-huh. on the punch card, but instead of it being... Like a tweet, like a like a text on your you know, phone we or could something. Never it's dig. like uh, little we, holes. Just,
2: I think you're just digging a hole. <laughs> <laughs> you're digging a hole.
0: Anyway, Sergey, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank we really you. appreciate it.